The Do You Mind.life project is intended to empower and connect women by engaging them in heart-centered conversations. In a time when we too often minimize, apologize, or ask for permission, Do You Mind.life seeks to help women own our choices, claim our voices, and rise into the fullness of who we are. The Do You Mind podcasts are conversations with women who create, innovate, and make a difference in their communities and in our world. Welcome. I'm Stacy Lee, and this is the Do You Mind podcast. My guest today is Anna Veronese. Anna is a healing arts practitioner and has been for over 20 years. She is an acupuncturist, massage, cranial sacral, and biomagnetic pair therapist. As a mother of two and a single mom, she is also a founding member of the Tulsa Shambhala Meditation Group. She is the current director of the Tulsa Shambhala Meditation Center, which opened last December, and she has been involved with the Shambhala Meditation Path for over 13 years. Welcome, Anna. I'm so glad to have you here. Thank you. So I had originally met you through Shambhala, through meditation, and this month we're talking about quiet and the importance of having quiet time for reflection and for recovery. And as a meditation, because of your involvement in meditation, I wanted to have a chance to talk with you about the meditation practice and how that comes into our everyday life. Excellent. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, first of all, can you tell me a little bit about Shambhala and what exactly is Shambhala as distinct from other forms of meditation? Well, Shambhala has its foundation in Tibetan Buddhism, and it also draws on some of the practices from other spiritual traditions, including Zen Buddhism or the Bone tradition in mm-hmm. Tibet, which is more of a indigenous spiritual practices. So it's a fusion of several different things. and as I suppose most practices are. Yes, yeah. right. And I guess one of the things that's distinctive about the Shambhala path is that we're practicing not only to work with our own personal situation as individuals mm-hmm. in our life, but we're doing it with the intention to be of benefit to society. Yeah. So before we get into, before we get too much, I guess, into um, just exactly how that practice, what that practice would look like, I think a, a lot of people may have some apprehension when they hear about Shambhala meditation because they might think that it would be somehow in opposition to their own belief system or their own other religious practices. How do you see how Shambhala can fit with other uh, religious beliefs or spiritual practices? Well, there is no conflict as far as my experience goes with Shambhala. I was raised Catholic, and that tradition is part of who I am. Mm -hmm. And it's not something that I engage in at this time in my life, but, you know, you don't have to walk away from whatever your spiritual tradition or religious tradition or cultural tradition to embrace the wisdom of these practices. 
basically what they're about is just understanding your own situation and the nature of your mind what it what it does just like yeah you know we know that our eyes are designed to see our ears are designed to hear our mind is designed to think and be very active a lot of the time so <laughs> yes <laughs> yes and that activity can some sometimes be a source of great suffering because mm -hmm. we tend to perseverate on things and get into really habitual thinking patterns so Shambhala does a lot to help us to um, get out of that pattern Right. Well, basically to recognize what the pattern is, first of all. Right. So you're, you're doing this in a way where you're curious. You know, you're interested in your own situation enough to work with it and look, look at it to become curious and to be friendly right. and gentle with yourself. You're just, you're just observing, you know, and there's very specific ways to do that. And um, eventually we start to really make friends with ourself, with our own mind, yeah. and give ourselves a break, yeah. you know. And, and so that way it can be supportive of whatever you're doing, you know. It can help you deepen your spiritual practice, whatever it is. It can help you organize your time better, you know, uh, cheer yourself up right. even. Right. Yeah. Yeah. The, the repetitive thought patterns that we get into then sometimes are, are most of the time I think are very judgmental and not gentle in the way that you're talking about. Yeah. We can be really hard on ourselves. Yeah. Which, you know, really doesn't help. It really doesn't help. Um, so that's that's part of the reason why we want to stop those kind of shenanigans or at least recognize when they're happening right yeah. awareness is more than half of the cure yeah so you know once once you realize you know these patterns you start to notice them then then you have a choice right you go oh yes i remember that Thank you for sharing. And then you can choose whatever is the most accurate and uplifting for you in the, mo in the moment. Right. And instead of just trying to push it away or pretend it's not happening. Right. Which doesn't help either. It doesn't help. And neither one of those so-called solutions is compassionate to ourselves. Pushing it away basically just delays are having to deal with it and it, gets, it seems to get worse because when we finally take it out and deal with it, it's gotten a lot bigger than it was when we stashed it away. <laughs> and, um, and ignoring it or um, condemning it in our own minds is, is also a really negative way to think of things. But seeing it and not judging it. Well, well and, <laughs> and recognizing it and then, then you actually like I said, have a choice. So right. you, maybe, you know, maybe uh, it's an emotional situation. Something happened and, and um, it 
gave you an emotional charge and now it's spinning off in your mind mm -hmm. and you, and the more that you allow it to spin off then the more emotional charge you have and the whole time that you're sitting here spending all this time just thinking about something that happened it's not happening now it happened yesterday right and well now you're not here in this right. moment right. you know maybe your 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 children are are playing right in front of you but you're not aware of it or your dog is sitting there with the ball in its mouth going let's go play it's a beautiful <laughs> right. day outside but you're missing all of what is actually happening right now because the mind is spinning off someplace with all that chatter yeah. about well you know I should have blah 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 or you know I always or they always or whatever you know kind of yeah polarized thinking that we can allow ourselves to and that trip out on that thinking happens in so easily even when we're trying to be mindful and I'm, like as you were as you were describing that spinning off I came to the image in my head because I wasn't right here I was already thinking <laughs> <laughs> oops I was already thinking oh yeah I need to tell you this story <laughs> So there are many layers of this because I was at, in a labyrinth, an outdoor labyrinth, and I was walking and enjoying the, the labyrinth. And this couple, young couple, came up, and they looked at the sign, and the man like stepped over all of the shrubs that were dividing the labyrinth into the labyrinth, and he just like immediately went to the center, and he stood there and put his hands on his hips, and his the woman who was with him took his picture of him standing in the middle of the labyrinth and then he stepped over all the shrubs and flowers and they went off and I continued walking the labyrinth and I was reflecting on how they had just taken a picture of an experience they hadn't had and then I started rehearsing in my mind how I was going to tell the story about how they hadn't had that experience once I left the labyrinth and so I wasn't in the labyrinth anymore either <laughs> <laughs> And so then as I'm sitting here and I'm thinking, oh, I'm going to tell you the labyrinth story, I take myself out of the moment, think about that story. It says lots and lots of layers of not being present. And being present both. Because your story just illustrates, you know, making these observations and also being aware of how it pulled you out right. of the present moment. And then you came back. So that's what we do, and that's the gentleness, right? right. Our friendliness is we, we do. We're going we're gonna to wander off. Our mind will take us on a little journey, and then your awareness will go, oh, I'm not on the <laughs> labyrinth anymore, and then you'll, you come back. Right. And then you wander off, and you come back yeah. over and over again. I mean, you just start giving yourself a break. Yeah. And the more that you know, I mean, as soon as you notice, you're back. Yeah. You really are. So you've, you've already won. Right. <laughs> you know, you've already accomplished that presence. And so, you know, the fruition is, is that you get to be right now in this moment. And yeah, and fully appreciate yeah. the here and now in a way that, thinking all the time about the future or regretting the past or whatever doesn't allow us to do. So how does meditation, how have you found that meditation helps to 
do that, accomplish that? Well, meditation is almost like a technology that you have these in our in our tradition there's a lineage of meditators that goes back you know over 2000 years of of people that have been precisely observing the patterns and movements of your mind of their mind mm -hmm. and, and then they you know start working with other people and and before you know it you just start to to notice this nature this is just what our mind does and so you have the benefit of all of these teachers right. to student to teacher to student all the way to this moment and so you start to just understand that this is a very natural and straightforward thing mm -hmm. that the mind mm -hmm thinks and that you can it's pliable you know you can you can exercise it and so that's that's why meditation works because you are able to get better and better at it with practice as far as noticing whoop there's there it goes and yeah. coming back and and the mind as you synchronize that in your body this understanding of the nature of your mind in your body then you you can open up even further to your phenomenal world right right and it just right. and you can hold it all at the same time as you become more and more stable so and then you know something happens and uh, you know you go to visit your your mother who knows how to push your buttons like nobody else's business and and then you know the big emotions start happening again and the you know kind of thing and and then you come back yeah again. you remember yeah 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 and you know I had stepped away from my practice for a while and life kind of just tugged me along and then I and I forgot but then came back to it in a time of stress was able to come back and remember, oh yes, yeah, this is really what I need to be doing. I need to be more than ever in times of stress is when I need to be giving myself this break and allowing my mind to just settle in meditation. Right, because the stress can create so much activity. Mental and activity. Mental activity, yeah. yes. And, and even physical activity, sometimes the yeah. stress is just there are too many plates to spin. Yeah. But there's no way to delegate this. This plate's going to go over here and this person can spin it for me. You know, you have to attend to all of them. So, yeah. you know, we can become very, very busy. And that, that can be a habit too. So, you know. And oh yeah, I've heard people say that busyness is like the the new plague of modern society. That we really create a lot of busyness, and a lot of it, I think, is because we're afraid yes. to sit in silence with our own thoughts. Well, it can be, you know, disturbing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, there's especially, scary stuff in there. <laughs> well, especially if if we. Um, 
if we are using our thoughts to beat ourselves up. Yeah. If we don't feel like we're this enough or that enough or I can't believe I, you know, did made that mistake again or that mistake again or, you know, we right. start to judge ourselves and, you know, who knows where all that comes from. So that's right. why it's just so important for us to cultivate that sense of gentleness and friendliness towards ourselves, because if we can't genuinely be kind to ourselves, how can we possibly expect to genuinely be kind to others? Exactly. Yeah. I think being kind to ourselves, though, feels harder than it feels to be kind to someone else. And yet, as you say, I think we can't be genuinely kind to someone else unless that comes from a deep place within ourselves. Mm -hmm. Yeah, just realizing that it's very good and straightforward to be a human being, you know, to be on the planet at this time. And, you know, so many of us just feel bad about ourselves in one way or another. We don't feel like we deserve to be here or... Right. Who knows? I mean, take your pick. Right. <laughs> yeah, and as it turns out, I'm actually tackling enoughness in October. Okay. It's my, my theme in October, which I think, yeah, we have these stories that we've told ourselves over and over again until we believe them about not being good enough or smart enough or whatever enough. Yeah. Take your pick. Through meditation, when we think we're not enough, then meditation allows us to what to let go of that when you notice that thought you know you know you notice that thought that comes up and says see you knew they didn't really like you or whatever whatever crazy thing is coming up um you you can just notice it or you can even go further and care for it yeah can you describe that a little bit well one line that comes up from one of the shambhala books is about placing the mind of fear in the cradle of loving kindness so you know how how do you do that you know when we when you are having a strong emotion, if you can give yourself an opportunity to go and sit and be with it and actually start tracking it, you know, through, through your body, right. You know, do, is it, is it, is it located in my body? You know, um, does it have a texture? Right. Oh, that's incredibly powerful. Yeah. Does it have a color? Yeah. Does it have, um, you know, is it hot? Is it cold? Is, you know, you can ex- begin to explore it. Yeah. And by doing that, you're giving it a tremendous amount of acknowledgement. Yeah. You're allowing yourself to have whatever this uncomfortable feeling is, whether it be fear or anger or mistrust. Right. And you can start to see, you know, how it's coming into your life and is it offering you a lesson you know is there is this just a habit yeah um is this more than a habit you know especially if it's something like mistrust 
you know, is there a reason for this mistrust? Right. If there's, is there something I need to be paying attention yes. to? Yes. Is this and, a, is this guiding yeah. me? It, yeah. And and is there something more I need to discern? And yeah. Discriminating awareness. Yeah. That way you become very precise in knowing what to reject right. and what to embrace. Right. And you know, so these are just. I guess it helps us just to develop to be a more whole person. Yeah. And some of those habits that don't necessarily serve can fall away. You don't have to fight with it. Yeah, we don't have to reject them. We simply just allow them to just be and Mm -hmm. walk away from them. I love the description of emotions. And that's been the part of my practice that's been just so so incredibly helpful because I don't think that most people have a very good um, emotional vocabulary and we certainly don't pay too much attention we're, we're in our culture we're really not taught to pay attention to how it feels in our bodies and so what I have found is that when I describe a feeling and I really go to that depth of, of the texture and the size and the, uh, is it squishy or is it hard or is it, you know, what color is it? And, and then give it a little bit of space and just observe it. Um, when I feel that feeling again, I'm much quicker to recognize it mm-hmm. and to be able to name it. So for example, there's a feeling of um, I call it the th- 10,000 daddy long legs that come that go up the back. Mm-hmm. And I felt that and thought, oh, that's shame. But then I recognized, no, 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 wait a second. When I felt shame, shame came around on my face. It was like these like 10,000 daddy long legs, little tiny, you know, spider feet. Mm-hmm. But shame is hot. And it came around and, and I could feel it on my face. Yeah. Kind of flush. Kind of a flush, yeah, yeah, except it kind of came up instead of down. And this feeling was one, it was like the daddy long legs had little ice cubes on their feet. So little ice-footed daddy mm-hmm. long legs. And it went up and it stopped right at the base of my of the back of my head. And I realized, no, that's not shame, but it's connected to shame. It's disconnection. Mm-hmm. So, and I have felt, when I have felt times of being really disconnected and um and it does feel like shame but naming it shame would be the wrong thing because what i'm feeling is that that something has happened that has taken me out of relationship with the person i'm trying to be in relationship with and that's what it feels like to me Mm -hmm. so that's empowering that's very helpful and to be able to recognize it in the moment yeah and and to be able to because once, once we are swept away in the current of strong emotion, then we can find ourselves out of alignment with our wisdom and our intellect, and the communication yeah. may suffer. Yeah. You know, that you may not be authentically connecting. So you may need to have a pause, or you might have to say, I'm feeling really overwhelmed with emotion right this minute, you know, give me a a moment here. It depends on the situation. Now, you know, if you're, if you're in a, you know, a courtroom, that might not be 
something that is allowed. But if you're having a, a conversation with a very important person in your life, that that can actually be useful for if your intention is to really have deep and true communication with this right. other. So, you know, and you said that the theme for this uh, this particular podcast is quiet. And, you know, I was curious how you would define quiet, because is it ever actually quiet? So that's actually really interesting. <laughs> I, I um, referred earlier in the month to an On Being podcast um, in which uh, Gordon, I believe it's Gordon Hempton, is a silence activist, but he doesn't describe silence as complete absence of sound. He describes it as the absence of noise. And I like that because um, noise is those things that we create that we don't particularly want to hear. And he doesn't consider the sounds of nature to be breaking the silence. That's part of the silence for him. Um, and so a babbling brook is actually part of the silence. So it doesn't mean that we're at negative decibel levels to have silence. Right. That's, you know, I've had people find it an excuse. One of the excuses is, well, I just need a quiet place where I can meditate. Ah. And, you know, and the, and the conditions, the causes and the conditions have to be just perfect. You know, the... <laughs> The kids have to be away, the, you know, the, the dog can't be barking, the, you know, all these things for me to be able to actually meditate. And then maybe they even leave and go to some remote place in an isolated cabin somewhere right. and I'll be able to meditate here. And then the, the crickets, <laughs> you know, were driving them crazy the whole time because they wouldn't be quiet. Right. So, yeah, so that's why I was, I was wondering, well, what kind of quiet are you talking about here? Because um, that kind of quiet, nature quiet, and, you know, wanting our, my mind to be quiet. Right. You know, basically free of that, that chatter that right. blah, 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 you know, they can just go 90 to nothing in the mind, spinning and spinning, you know, so I think that kind of quiet is a real relief, and I have been able to touch that with my meditation practice, and it does take practice. Yeah. Some days I sit yeah. down, and it's just very active up there, super noisy, and other days that will uh, drop away fairly quickly, and and then all of the spaciousness of everyday sounds will, you know, be qu very quiet. Yeah. But but the noisy days, the days when there's a lot of thought going through your mind, that's not a failure at all. That's just a, that's a day to get to practice compassion over and over again. <laughs> right? Right. You, you, oh, there I, 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 okay, come back again. <laughs> you know? Yep. I, I just got to practice a hundred different times finding my center again because my mind kept going off. Well, um, we just finished uh, Joy in Everyday Life class, which you've right. done before. And, um, it was simultaneously 
at the same time that we were having a uh, challenging situation in an organization I'm involved with. Okay. And I thought, well, that's how auspicious that this <laughs> really challenging situation happened to come about at the same time we're doing this class because they the uh, situation gave me a lot to practice with. There you go. Yeah. There you go. So you don't look at it as um, a negative necessarily. It's just, oh, well, here's an opportunity to practice. <laughs> Doggone those opportunities, though. It's I've got enough opportunity already. Thank you. But no, really, it, it was actually really helpful because, and, and really challenging. Yeah. Because sometimes yeah. things in life are really, really challenging. And being able to work with the technology of meditation and and the tools in, that we're given in the Shambhala path are so helpful. Oh, absolutely. So helpful. I'm not saying that it, you know, it's going to um, replace your own personal spiritual practice or religious practice, but it certainly is a wonderful adjunct to whatever you're already doing. Oh, definitely. Yeah. And it's just you know, tools. You mentioned quiet, and what do I see as quiet? I actually was on a subway in New York, and it was just, it, the din was just incredible. And I decided... I'm going to meditate here. And so what I did is I just imagined raining down loving kindness on everybody in that car and just sat with that. And the noise was incredible. And yet I was in a really peaceful state because it wasn't mind noise. You know, it wasn't that condemning negative nagging voice but instead it was an outward showing of loving kindness to everybody to these strangers on the subway mm -hmm. um so it was an incredible tool to be able to pull out in what could have been either a boring ride or a stressful ride the noise would ordinarily cause me stress mm. but but it, it just changed everything just to be able to use that tool. Right. So, you know, as you were talking about that, when we're, when we're in that tight, busy, yeah. habitual mind, it, it seems very closed off. But when you started talking about imagining loving kindness raining down on, on all the people on this train with you, it became very expansive you know you're yeah. extending yourself and thinking of others or you're you're on your own little trip in your mind going Zzzz, yeah you know so it's a very different uh, feeling to me yeah yeah well yeah it, it really does change everything because it changes our own perception of ourselves and of whatever we're experiencing so um, yeah. This is a wonderful, wonderful tool to have. Absolutely. And an important one with just the pace of our world, you yeah. know, with technology and you can, you know, pull out your, your phone, this little mini computer, and find out what's happening all around the world at any given moment. And a lot of it is incredibly intense. Yes. 
or if it isn't intense, we're still given urgent bulletins all the time that make us feel like everything's intense. Yeah, yeah, there's a weight to it. Yeah. Well, it's just the sheer busyness of, of our lives is stressful. Yeah. Just, we don't seem to make as much space. Um, there's a, a funny saying in, that I've heard in Shambhala also, uh, don't just do something, sit there. <laughs> right. You know, which is the right. opposite of, you know, our, you know, our view. If you're, it, you get kudos for just rushing around and doing 25,000 things. Oh, yeah. You know, I oh, mean, yeah. people think, oh, you're, you're, you're accomplishing so much. You're so busy all the time. And, you know, you, you can go for years and, and not really ever make that strong connection to your own heart and mind because you're too busy out being out there buzzing around it's almost a way of avoiding yourself yeah exactly so because and, and then if we do have to encounter ourselves then we end up doing what numbing it what much of society does mm-hmm. um, we see so much addiction I know Brene Brown has talked about we're the most addicted, over-prescribed, over-weight, over-everything culture in the history of the world. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I, I'm guessing a lot of it is because we don't want to be vulnerable and sit with ourselves. And, and when we do make ourselves vulnerable, that is the most powerful position we can be in. Yes because we're completely open to our entire experience. And we find ourselves eventually giving ourselves a break and not being afraid of who we are, which is why we right. keep ourselves so busy. Right. Right? Because we're, we're really terrified about, you know, that all, all that, you know, spinning off of, I'm not this enough. I'm not that yeah. enough. We we're terrified that that's true, yeah. so we avoid it by basically running away from ourselves and our own lives, and until we're able to stop and allow ourselves to soften yes. and open, yeah. then it just doesn't uh, settle down until we do. It's really. We really don't need to be afraid of who we are. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> we really don't. Yeah. We just have to be compassionate to who we are. And once I think once we find that compassion, then um, something you and I talked about the last time we were together happens. The tears really flow. And they're tears of recognition. They're tears of joy. Um not so much of sadness, you know, but it's just, but it's an overwhelming sort of feeling. And I have felt that being on the meditation cushion. Just Just opening. Yeah. You open, you just open and you stop holding on so tight. If you could just let go and open, then all kinds of clearing can arise. Yeah. Yeah. You don't have to get stuck on a story. You don't have to feel abused or victimized. Right, uh, and maybe that's in there somewhere too, but you just let it come out. You don't have to 
keep that lid on that pot. Yeah, that takes so much energy. It's exhausting. Yeah. So if uh, anyone in our listening audience is interested in finding out more about meditation, particularly Shambhala meditation, where would you suggest they look? Well, um, it's an international organization. Most major cities have a Shambhala center. And there's generally public meditation that's offered and free meditation instruction. There are uh, classes that are offered. There's actually a curriculum um, that you can go through to gain meditation tools, which are very valuable. And you can go as far as you want, really. It's, uh, it's, it can be a life path or it can be a way to, to go and, and practice with others in community, which I find can be very stabilizing to yeah. your mind and your practice. Yeah. Well, yeah. To go and sit with others. When I had been out of practice for quite a while, going back with a group, with a Shambhala group, actually, was what had me getting back on the cushion at home. Mm-hmm. There's my cushion, actually. <laughs> you can see it there. Um, and, and pulling that out and being much more dedicated. Um, something about going regularly to a group mm-hmm. meditation session seems to make it a lot easier to stay in practice at home also. Mm-hmm. Yes, and you know, with the, um, the Shambhala path, there are five weekend level trainings. Mm-hmm. And with each of those level trainings, there is a different meditation technique. And so basically, by the time you're, you're done with that first part of the path, you've got a pretty good toolbox mm-hmm. of meditation tools. And, and that way, you, whatever you meet when you sit on the cushion, you don't know if your mind is going to be very active and busy or if it's right. going to settle. And, you know, so then you have different, different meditation techniques so that you can meet your mind wherever it's at. Right. And, you know, you recognize it. Oh, okay, I'm, my mind's really busy. So you, you have a little bit of a tighter technique. Once it settles, then you can start to open up more. And, you know, it's just, you just start directly dealing with whatever you find right. once you sit. Right. And, and yeah, we, you know, get a really regular practice and then I'll fall off the cushion and, right. <laughs> you know, life gets really busy. I'm remodeling my house or whatever. And then, you know, then you get back on track. You just are gentle with yes. yourself. Yeah. And you I know? love that you, you come as you are. Yes. You, yeah. <laughs> you begin where you're at. Yes. Yeah. So. I love that. Was there any, any last wrap-up thought that you'd like to share uh, about meditation as a practice or the importance of meditation as a practice? Well, from my own experience with it, I really feel like it is just a powerful and beneficial tool for life, honestly. Yeah. So I would encourage anybody to, to explore you know, cultivating a meditation practice. And when you and, say anybody, that can be children as well as adults. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah it can great, be great for children as far as helping us to to realize what our big feelings are yeah. and, and how to care for them. Yeah. 
Well, Anna, I'm so glad that you came by and we had a chance to sit down and have a cup of tea yeah, and another cup of tea, tea. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and have a conversation. It's always enjoyable to talk with you. Yeah, you too. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you. If you have enjoyed listening to this podcast, we invite you to subscribe or better yet, become a member of the DoYouMind.life community. Members are invited to join the conversation on our discussion page, and they receive a monthly membership box intended to connect them with the monthly theme in a variety of ways. Please visit www.doyoumind.life membership to learn more. Thank you for listening.